we finished 12. Let's go back to it, though, just for a minute. Because this is a very important chapter. In fact, I hope you realize how important the Passover. The Jews have been celebrating it, except it said they didn't do it during some of the captivity and then some of the other times. But anyway, it's still today, and it's their most important feast. And every, all the other feasts are based on this. And he changed the calendar from the fall, which probably was the date of creation in September, October, someplace in there, the fall feast. But anyway, uh, before we start this, I want to ask God to bless us. Lord, we just thank you so much for today and for the rain and for just the fact that we can meet together around your word. We thank you for the freedom to do this. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you would just come and take us away out of here and then bring back Jesus so that we can help rule with him for a thousand years. This is what we're looking for so anxiously. So we say with the prophet, rend the heavens, Lord, and come down and do this, Lord, for us. But your timing is your timing. And so we'll just go along with what you do and be happy with it, Lord. But we're telling you what we'd like. And you told us to ask what we want, and you, and you hear us and answer it. But it maybe isn't for our good and nor for the way thing you want things to run in the world. But so we know you're in control, and we know you aren't wringing your hands over all these things that are happening in the world. But you're bringing them to pass to bring about the rapture and the day of the Lord, which is the time of, of judgment on this earth, and then the kingdom. That's what Jewish people have been looking for, Lord, all these years, is that thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we'd like, because it sure isn't being done on earth today with despots and would-be despots and people suffering all over. So, Lord, we just ask that you bless us today as we look at these example stories from the Old Testament, these wonderful stories that teach New Testament truth. This one today, the Passover, teaches that without the shedding of blood is no forgiveness of sin. And so, Lord, we ask that you just bless it to our hearts that we might understand these things that you've laid out for us in example. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. amen. We saw the ten plagues, these awful plagues, and I was listening again about, just imagine if you had frogs that were crawling in, I mean, every place that you were, you would put on your pants, put on your shirt, and there'd be a frog. <laughs> well, it's bad enough to find one in the toilet, which I've done twice, <laughs> swimming awesome. around. But anyway, so after all of these, finally, Pharaoh's heart, um, it was always hardened and against the Lord, no matter what. As we first saw Pharaoh, when Moses first went to him and said, the Lord of the Hebrews has asked for you to let the people go. Mm -hmm. And he said, who is the Lord that I should have anything to do with him? Who is the Lord? And so he'd been that way all along. Well, it took the death of his son, the death of the firstborn. That's what happened. He said, the firstborn in the land in chapter 11, um, at midnight, the angel of death was going through the midst of Egypt. He said, I will go into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the maidservant who is behind the hand mill, and all the firstborn of the beasts. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again, but against none of the children of Israel. Not, the dogs didn't bother, nothing bothered wherever the Jewish people were, and there were three million of them at this time, or at least two and a half million, and stragglers that followed along with them. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, verse 10, and the Lord hardened, or just made stiff, Pharaoh's heart, and he didn't let the children of Israel out of his land. Now, then the night of the Passover, and this is the thing that God says to Moses. This month, this month, Abib, in the spring. See, that wasn't the first year at all. That was the sixth month. The first, the first month was in the fall. That's when uh, Adam and Eve were created, and that's when the earth started in the fall. But now God's saying, this is a new start, and it's a new beginning for you. 
And it's a picture that when you accept Jesus, it's, there's a new beginning, a new start. And so this month, Abib, that's what it's called, or Nisan, either of those two names. This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Well, they probably say, well, this is a surprise because it's been the sixth month. Now it's the first month. So he said, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year. So speak, he said to Moses, to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on this tenth day of the month, everyone shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father a lamb for a household and you keep the lamb four days to make sure it's perfect because this lamb is to picture god's lamb uh what did john the baptist say in john three is it john two or three i wrote, i put a little mark about it here um, john one what did john the baptist say the next day verse 21 John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus is God's precious Lamb that takes away the sin. All of these other lambs, they atoned for sin. Now you know what the word atonement, covered over, covered over for the time being until this Lamb would come, until God's Lamb would come. They had all these thousands of lambs were killed that pictured what God would do someday with his own son. But they had to keep it up four days to make sure it was perfect. Was God's son perfect? His lamb? Yes, it was perfect. And they weren't to break a bone of this. Not a bone of Jesus' body was to be broken on the cross. So if the household's too small, let his neighbor take to his house according to the number of the person. So your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day. The 14th day was the day. Can you imagine the children playing with this little lamb for four days? You know, I just say, Lord, I'm just glad I live now. And yet, look what God's lamb had to go through so that we don't have to do this anymore. We would have to be doing this. And the Jewish people can't do it. They'd like to, but it had to be in a certain place. As we keep going, you can sacrifice in a certain place that I will show you. That would be the temple. And they don't have a temple, but they're going to have it again someday. And that's why you wonder, well, why would they, in the millennial reign, when Jesus comes back, will they be having sacrifices again and killing lambs again? Well, it's memorial. Just like today, we memorialize Jesus dying and rising from the dead with communion. We take the little bit of bread and the juice and the grape, and we say this bread represents his body, which was broken for us. This juice represents his blood, which was shed for our sins. But when he comes back and sets up his kingdom, he'll be the high priest and the king. Now we see that pictured in Zechariah, and we see it in Hebrews, that Jesus has to be both king and priest, high priest. Well, so the high priest had to do the sacrificing. But so they would, it's going to be in memoriam. They'll look back to the cross, just like they looked forward to the cross and, and offered the lamb. That's what they're going to do again. The church is just an interim thing that's happened. This is a Jewish book, and God has dealt with Israel, but he intended that through Israel, everybody, Gentiles like us, would be saved too. But the Jewish people didn't keep what he wanted them to do, and so they lost their land. They're scattered all over the world. They have been, but now they can go back if they can still get away. They go back to their land. In our day, that's a big sign, too, that the Lord is coming soon, that they're, you know, they're coming back and they're going into their land. And how many people, as I read all this Jewish stuff, somebody is over there right now that's, uh, develop something new. You know how the Jewish people can manufacture and think of new things like growing teeth and all kinds of things like this. He's American born, but he went over there to live. And the girl that does my massage is a Jewish girl from New Jersey, really, but she's over there now visiting. You know, there's that pull. They need to go back to their mm -hmm. land because that's their land. But in the meantime, 
God, he sent them his Savior. He sent the Lamb of God. They rejected him. He died on the cross. We will not have this man rule over us. That's what they said. So Paul, in finishing Acts, he said, I've told you all these things. He went always first to the Jew, and then they rejected it. He said, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Well, that's what God intended for Paul to do anyway. And he said, and they will listen. That's the end of the book of Acts. Well, so we're the Gentiles now. So God is taking out from among everybody, Jew and Gentile, a people for his name. It's a separate thing, the church. You don't mix the church with Israel. There's a, a vast difference. God isn't through with Israel, but he set them aside just temporarily because of, of their rejection of the Messiah. But when the church is complete in God's timing, then the church will go up, then God will begin to deal again with Israel, first in judgment for seven years, the tribulation in, in Revelation. Then Jesus himself will come back, that wonderful picture with us following all the hosts of heaven and all the saints riding horses. Practice now. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll all be riding white horses behind him, and he'll set up his kingdom. He'll do away with Satan. He'll be bound for a thousand years in a bottomless pit. It's how you say, well, why a thousand years? Well, man has to be tested apart from the devil made me do it. Well, the devil didn't make you do it during those thousand years because he's bound in a pit. <laughs> uh -huh. So why are you doing it? It shows you have your own sin nature anyway. You're going to do it regardless. He helps today in a big way, but he's going to be bound for a thousand years to show, and I think I got this years ago from Dr. Pentecost's book, Things to Come. That's a wonderful book to have. It's got a lot of wonderful prophetic things in there. But anyway, this is, this is God's overall plan. He said there's going to be one world government under an antichrist. Well, can you see it forming and hating the church and hating Christianity? And uh, It just seems like the people just will fall for anything mm -hmm. except the truth. Mm -hmm. We don't have crusades. I think if we just had Billy Graham crusades all over the country like we used to have, millions would come into the, into the camp. No, they've done away with crusades because of political correctness, because the crusades, the Muslims thinks, were very dangerous to them. Well, did I send you what I have about the crusades from Kirby Anderson's group? It's very good. But back to our lesson. They had to keep the little lamb four days. So that little pet lamb, that's the word that Dr. Priswell told me years ago was used in Revelation chapter 5 when the tribulation has begun and there needs to be somebody that opens this scroll that tells what's going to happen in the tribulation. And nobody's able in heaven or on earth to open the scroll to see what's going to happen. And John wants to know what's going to happen in the rest of the book of Revelation. And the angel said, who's worthy to open the scroll, verse 2, and open its seals of chapter 5? And no one in heaven or under the earth or in the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. So I wept much, John said, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or look at it. But one of the elders said to me, this is a heavenly scene, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now who do you think this is? This is Jesus. See, the root of David, he had to come from David's family. And see, that's when the devil, when God began to set this bloodline of the Redeemer up, and he set it through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah, then when he did all this, he came to David. But he's been after that family ever since, especially. That's why anti-Semitism is, because the devil just hates what's going to happen coming through this line. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, this is heaven, and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, stood a lamb up in heaven, as though it had been slain. And Dr. Criswell said, this is a, a, a little pet lamb. 
God's little pet lamb. Doesn't that just give you goose pimples? Here is up in heaven is God's pet lamb, having seven head horns and seven eyes, the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Then this lamb came and took him. Now he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. But when he came the first time as the lamb to take away our sin, it's just such a wonderful salvation. Only God could have thought of it. Isn't that true? We couldn't have thought of it. Has prevailed to open the scroll and loose its seven seals. This lamb that looked like it had been slain and that all wisdom comes from him. This lamb came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him, God, who sat on the throne in heaven. And now when he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Think about that. Talk about meditating on the word. We don't pray enough. And they sang a new song. You're worthy, you lamb to take the scroll, open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you've made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And you and I will reign with him. It's just wonderful to think of. Then I looked in the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne, that would be the Heavenly Father, and to the Lamb, that would be the Heavenly Son, Father's Son, forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And because he died for us and rose from the dead and is coming back, we have everlasting life too. We will live forever and ever. Just imagine, in new bodies, not able to be sick, just like this wonderful lamb. So here we have the beginning of it. That's why chapter 12 is so very important. So the 14th day, and they were to kill it at twilight, between the evenings at, at sundown. So I know when people, Jewish, they go out and see is the sun going down, then they wait until the sun goes down, then they have Passover. But they don't have a lamb. They don't have any sacrifice. They have a turkey, chicken or whatever they have. But Someday, again, they'll be doing that, but they can't. There's no, no one to officiate, no high priest, nothing. God's taken it all away, and he's working through a different group of people now, the church. And now it's our business to reach people. I got a, I think I put it on the board out there, a card this week from, I give a little money to um, Jews for Jesus. And they send whatever you send or whatever. They send it where they want to. But they send it to this wonderful young man, he and his wife, in Jerusalem. And they send a picture of a little hind on the edge of a precipice with sharp feet and looking down over this precipice. And it's this darling. I just got, got to save it because it's a picture that God is going to make us like hinds feet, that we won't slip and we can go in high places. He'll make me tread on the high places of the earth. Well, he does that when you accept Jesus. Yeah. It's a different life, and he tr makes you walk in a higher plane. And a, We march to a different drum beat, they say. Mm -hmm. We do. And if we don't, we should. It's because mm -hmm. we aren't in the Bible enough, believers aren't. But so they killed it at twilight. And he said, this is the Lord's Passover, verse 11. And I'll pass through the land of Egypt on that night, strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. See, God hates idolatry. And they had a God for everything. And I'll execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood, he, he, the blood shall be a sign. The Jews seek a sign. <laughs> Jesus said, there's no sign given to you but the sign of Jonah, who was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. I'll be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's the only sign, the sign of resurrection. 
and you won't you don't believe it and you're going to put me to death but anyway they always wanted to see a sign now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are when i see the blood when i see the blood i will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you the plague of killing so this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it a feast to the lord throughout so it's to be their first feast Throughout your generations, you shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And you say, well, God isn't a time setter, but I just have to, in studying these feasts, you know that Jesus couldn't have just died any time of the year, could he? I don't think he could have died at, what, we celebrate Christmas time, or November, or so. I don't think he could have died any time except Leviticus 23. Turn to Leviticus 20. Keep your finger here. See, God is going to give seven feasts to these Jewish people under the law of Moses. But the first one is when he changed the date, and it's it's Passover. And so that's what he said in chapter 23 of Leviticus. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, plural, with which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. Six days shall work be done. Now he mentions the first one as a, the seventh day is a Sabbath. That means a rest, a solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Now this is quite distinct from all the other feasts which follow because in Exodus 31, verse 15, you can turn, keep your, can you do three things at once? <laughs> 31, verse 15, when God gives a sign of the Sabbath. He said, speak to the children of Israel saying, surely my Sabbath you shall keep for it is a sign. Now this is to Jews. Are we to keep the Sabbath? No. It isn't for us. Our day is the Lord's day, the day he rose from the dead. And this idea of, of Gentiles going and putting themselves back under the Jewish law and meeting on Saturday, Friday night, they don't understand. They haven't read this chapter probably. Saying, my Sabbath should be a sign between me, God, and you, Israel, throughout your generations. You shall keep the Sabbath, for it's holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. For who does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel, underline that, it's not for the church. The children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, this we're, is verse 16 of chapter 31 of Exodus. Six. Therefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It's God's agreement with Israel. It's a sign between me, Jehovah, and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heavens and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on the Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So this is for, the Sabbath is for Israel, but he starts out here in 23 with that first one that's distinct from the other feasts which follow. Um, and so for, for the Jewish people, for, for the Christian today, they had fasts, there are no fasts today. They're just feasts for us. I mean, that's what he has for us, too. But he said, these are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. The reason they started fasts was because of their own sin. Like we read in, I just was listening again to my Bible tape in Zechariah. I've finished the Old Testament now since... You know, it's fast at listening to the whole Bible if you just go to the store and back. And mm -hmm. I started with Genesis, and now I've finished with Malachi, and I'm ready to start the New Testament. Wow. So I should be able to listen through the Bible several times this year yeah. as I just drive to the grocery store. And as much as I like to hear Rush and other people, this is much, much better, mm -hmm. much richer for my sure. soul. 
Mm-hmm. The other yeah. upsets me, really. Yeah. I know what's happening, mm-hmm. and I don't want to hear their little minute views of it. I'd rather get God's view of what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he tells us very explicitly. But he said, the Lord spoke to Moses, said, the 14th day of the first month at twilight. This is the first one at their appointed times. So Jesus could not have died at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He couldn't have died at the Feast of Pentecost. He couldn't have died at the Feast of First Fruits or Tabernacles. He's the Passover lamb. And Paul tells us Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. On the 14th day of the first month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. This is what they're going to have to do as they leave Egypt. They didn't have time to put yeast in their bread. And on the 15th day is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You must uh, eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. So that's the first of their feasts. And, you know, it's just so important. It's already been fulfilled, hasn't it? Has that feast been fulfilled when Jesus died on the cross? Yes, it has. Because he died as a, he's our Passover lamb. So then the next one is the Feast of First Truths. Three days later, after that, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, and you reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. This First Corinthians 15, this is the resurrection verse. Jesus couldn't have been resurrected the fourth day, the fifth day, the third day, see? On the same day as the Feast of Resurrection the first fruits of your harvest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So you shall offer on that day. Now, incidentally, it's important to see that every one of these feast days, including the seventh day, is a feast day. Each year, the Feast of Passover falls on a different day, but it's a Sabbath the Sabbath of the Passover. So that's a day of rest for them to set apart. So he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year. This Sabbath, I think, is the weekend Sabbath. So the first day of the week is the day he rose from the dead. He couldn't have risen any other day than the first day of the week. And so then the next one is Pentecost, and that's 50 days later, and sometime in June. Now the church, did the church start right away? No, it had to wait till this date, the Feast of Pentecost. You shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave of the offering. Seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. You shall bring from your habitations. Now this is a very important verse too, and I'm not really teaching this now, but I just want you to see how important these feasts are and that they have a prophetic significance. You shall bring from your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour, telling exactly how they're to make this bread. They shall be baked with leaven, Unleavened bread all the rest of the time. Why leaven? Leaven is a type of sin, and this pictures sinners. The church is going to start with a bunch of sinners, leavened. That's exactly what this means. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. You shall offer with the bread seven lambs in the first year, and so forth and so forth. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats, and so forth. Exactly how to do it. Then. That took the four feasts in the spring. Then summer came the Pentecost. Then after Pentecost, there were three more feasts. There are seven feasts. So all after a long, hot summer, verse 23, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Then ten days after that is the Feast of Atonement. And then 
when they atone for their sins. Then after that is the Feast of Tabernacles, verse 33. Uh, the 15th day of the seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days. And then it goes on into the eighth day, which means eternity. On the first day of convocation and the seventh day, it was like a picnic where they they got palm trees uh, in the 15th day of the seventh month when you've gathered in the fruit of the land you'll keep the feast of the Lord for seven days you shall take for yourselves verse 44 on the first day of the fruit of beautiful trees branches of palm trees boughs of leafy trees willows of the brook this is different than any of the other feasts isn't it they were to make a little grotto sort of thing in their backyard and it's going to be um, willows of the brook and you shall live in this little tent to remind yourself that you were in a tent for all those years, 40 years in the desert, you lived in a tent. You shall dwell in booths or tents for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths or tents when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. Now, so I ask you, if he had to die on the feast of Passover, and he rose from the dead at the Feast of First Fruits, and the church started. I wouldn't think anything had to do with the church, except that he decided to have the church get started on a Jewish feast day. The church was started at, at the Feast of Pentecost in mm -hmm. the summer. And so if it was formed at a feast day, why not take it up at a feast day? <laughs> I guess I'm really crazy to think this, but it just makes sense to me that if he formed the church on a feast day, he's going to take it out on a feast day. And what would be better than the feast that has a bunch of trumpets blowing in it? <laughs> the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the uh -huh. voice of the angel trumpet, and the trumpet will sound, and we'll all be caught away to heaven. Uh -huh. So I think it'll happen some year, and I don't know what year, but, you know, when I was teaching this year ago, Mark had a rapture sale. <laughs> because we all thought by 2000 that would be a good year for the Lord to come that, you know, a good round number that, you know, 6,000 years in the seventh hill rule well the Lord didn't see fit it's been 13 years later hasn't it he hasn't come yet but some year I think he will come at the feast of trumpets I mean when you see God working in patterns then no matter what the theologians tell you, he can come any minute. You know, I have to say, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I don't think, Jesus couldn't die on the cross just any minute. And he didn't rise from the dead just any old day. And I don't think we're going up any old time, just any time. But I think some year at the Feast of Trumpets, when the Lord will blow the trumpets and the dead in Christ will rise first and First Thessalonians will be completed and will be up with the Lord some year. Now I don't know which year. I'm hoping it's this year. My sister thinks it's maybe this year. But I think probably, I think Syria has to fall. If things are getting ready for this. I mean, it isn't quite bad enough yet. It's just I hate to think that it has to get any worse, and I'm telling that to the Lord. Lord does it have to get any worse? <laughs> but some year he will come, and so I'm looking for him this year, if not this year, next year, and if not next year, the year after that. And I've been looking, but I didn't know all this about the feast when I first started looking. And in my oldest book by Larkin, I've written, I was figuring out the days and figuring, <laughs> and I'm not a mathematician at all. But I've been looking for him for a long, long time. And that's our hope, isn't it? I think that's a blessed hope, is the rapture of the church and the glorious appearing. Now, I learned that from Pentecost, too. There are two different events where we look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. The blessed hope is the rapture. The glorious appearing is when we come back with him to the earth to set up his kingdom and watch him defeat his enemies. He's going to do all the work. He did all the work at the cross anyway. He does all the work anyway, doesn't he, in our life. All right, now back to our lesson. So these are the feasts. What were they to do? Verse 18, In the first month and the 14th day of the month at evening you shall eat unleavened bread till the 21st day of the month at evening. 
For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, the same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he's a stranger or a native of the land. Do you see how exciting the Old Testament becomes when you see things prophetic in it, and you see things that God's going to do with the church and has done in the past? It just makes your faith much stronger. So you can't eat what's leavened, eat nothing leavened, and then what they would do is take this hyssop, which is a very rough branch. They used it a lot of times, but they took their hyssop and spread the blood over the lintel. And um, I looked up online, and there's a wonderful picture, and I, I had trouble printing it out, of course, and I wasted paper. <laughs> but it was of an Israelite taking hyssop, and it was in color, putting the hyssop on the lintel and on the sides of the door. Oh. And that's what everyone, when God told them to do it, they did it. Dip it in blood that's in the basin, strike the little and the two doorposts with the blood that's in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning, for the Lord will pass through the str and strike the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And I just think that's when he sees the blood of Jesus applied by faith our hearts. Mm -hmm. We're safe. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry one bit. When he, God sees it, he knows your faith. He knows what you believe, and you're safe in him. So he said, when it comes to pass, as you're doing this, your children will say to you, well, what do you mean by this service that you will say, verse 27, it's a Passover sacrifice. This is a sacrifice. He's our sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. And the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, uh, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry. There wasn't a house where there wasn't one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Arise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord, as you've said. Also, take your flock. See, first he said, Go, but leave your flock. You can go, but leave your family. Mm -hmm. But now, take everything. Get mm -hmm. out of here. Mm -hmm. Take your flocks and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we're all going to be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses when they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. So when we come to the 25th chapter of this book, uh, and God tells them to build a tabernacle and all its gold, where did they get it? They got it from the Egyptians. They went out wealthy from the Egyptians. They spoiled the Egyptians. They requested, they plundered the Egyptians. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. Now, this little map shows where Succoth is. But I think people don't really know where Succoth is. See, here is the Nile, and here's probably where Pharaoh is, and the children of Israel are up here in Goshen, in the northern part. See, and it's up here with Ramses. And so when they left, they were going to come through this spit of land here to Succoth. That's where that is. But then some of these other names, we don't know exactly where they are. but. Probably Moses knew because when 40 years before he had fled from Pharaoh and he fled this same route, only he didn't go this way, he went like this and down and around to Midian. Mm -hmm. See, he went around this way to Midian, but God didn't want him to do that because he thought if they saw any evidence of warfare, the Philistines, he didn't want him to go by the way of the Philistines. But see, he wanted him to come down this way where he could do a miracle and take them across the Gulf of Aqaba, open the Red Sea, and do away with all the Egyptians. But see, now the Egyptians controlled all of this area here. They had outposts all along here. So it wouldn't have been safe for them to be in this area. 
that isn't where Mount Sinai is. It wouldn't have been said. I hope you're remembering this because you're going to have to defend it. There's hardly anybody understands this, where real Mount Sinai was. But they don't realize that this whole wilderness area here was controlled by the Egyptians, and they had outposts and their monuments showing where their outposts were there, if we could go there. But how it got named was from Constantine's mother. So a lot of false things happened. <coughs> so anyway, they journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides children. So a mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and couldn't wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. So they're going to have to totally rely on the Lord, aren't they? And the Lord is not going to disappoint them. He's going to open up the rock here, pour water out of the rock, whatever they need, he's going to give. Manna from heaven, and then they didn't appreciate anything. And then they're saying, our soul loathes this light manna. We wish we were back in Egypt. And how can you imagine when they remember what Pharaoh did to them and how he beat them and how cruel it was to be in that bondage? But the heart is deceitful above all things like this and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And see, we're all as an unclean thing. And as Job says, can something clean come out of an unclean? See, we are all born in Adam's sin, with Adam's sin on us. And we need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior, see? And how wonderful that we can tell this to other people. Most of the world doesn't realize this. And so we need to reach out. But you have to reach out in a nice way. First, make a little friendship. Don't say, are you saved? Like some people. Wouldn't that turn anyone off? You have to let the Lord guide you what to say. Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. That's what the Bible tells you how to be. Verse 40. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. So it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that same day that came to pass. See, that he is a date sitter, the same day. So I think it'll be the day, you know, the same day as Passover. Why aren't we celebrating the Passover? Because Constantine said that the church couldn't celebrate on the day that the Jews did. Isn't that terrible? And that's in that book by Ronald DeProse, that we can't have our day on the despicable Jews day. That's anti-Semitism, and that's when they decided to make the church be Israel. So who cares about Israel? The church is now Israel. They had a high priest. We'll have a high priest. And they had garments of glory and beauty. We'll have garments of glory and beauty. They had all this and that. They had circumcision. We'll have baby baptism. That's when all of these things, robes started and processions started where preachers lead the choir down the aisle, and the Presbyterians still. It's very impressive. People love a a show and a parade, don't they? (laughs) But anyway, that's where they get it, because they say the church has replaced Israel. But I hope you all know from this class and from your own study that the church has not replaced Israel. Mm -hmm. God has a plan for the church and has a plan for Israel. Mm -hmm. A plan for you, a plan for me. He's got everything in this book right for us. They were 430 years now. uh, Abraham, when God said they would be strangers in a strange land in the 15th chapter of Genesis for 400 years or so. But Dr. Ryrie says the 430 years may be the total number of years spent in bondage in Egypt, thus approximately equivalent to the 400 years of Genesis 15 and Acts 7-6. Or it may be that the years of bondage were 400, and the 430-year figure used here in Galatians 3:17 refers to the time between the last confirmation of the Abrahamic covenant and the giving of the Mosaic law also where 450 years is the approximate time from the beginning of the Egypt bondage. See, that's why we can't figure out exactly when he's coming back. I don't know that they kept accurate time during the time they were in bondage, or whether they even were allowed to keep records when they were slaves in 
Babylon, for example. But uh, I think that probably Archbishop Usher is correct in the date of our birth, that it was created sometime like we're in the last part, like six days. I think it's just like six days, but Archbishop Usher says that creation was like 4,000 B.C., something like that, giving you that date. So I think, just break it down, 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to Christ, that's 4,000 years or four days of a prophetic week of seven days. So from the Old Testament to the New Testament, four days or 4,000 years. And in the middle is, is all this about the Exodus. But then from his first coming to his second coming, 2,000 years. And we know that the church will probably be 1,000 years and then 1,000 years of rest, followed by the eighth day, which is eternity. So when we see all of this, it's just, you know, we know that where we are in time now that we're almost ready to be raptured. We're almost there. So we may go through really some tough times, it's you and I. We may have to suffer for him. And it just may be that we will have a tough time, although I hope we don't. Well, it says all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But usually it's just blaming us some little minor thing like, oh, you're a Christian, you're far right, fundy, <laughs> but that's nothing really. You haven't yet striven to blood. But anyway, we need to be Bible readers, Bible studiers, and to take it all together. But that's what we're seeing, the 400 years. See, now Dr. Ryrie says we see the approximate time from the beginning of the Egyptian bondage until after the conquest of Canaan including the 40 years of wilderness wandering. So anyway, here we are in this 12th chapter, breaking it up, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No outsider shall eat it, but every man's servant who is bought for money, when you circumcise him, then he may eat it. A sojourner or hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. John 19. All the congregation of Israel. See, they broke the thieves' bones on the side of Jesus. They didn't touch him. And when a stranger sojourns with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded. Moses and Aaron, so they did. So it came to pass on the same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. So he's going to say, there's a few more things you need to know. Sanctify, set apart to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens a womb among the children of Israel, both of man and animal, is mine. It, the firstborn is a sacrifice to me. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month Abib. Now see, this sanctify me, this firstborn, but he didn't say sacrifice this. He didn't believe in child sacrifice. Just set apart the firstborn to me because the firstborn is special. On this day you're going out in the month Abib, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor any leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And that's another thing. In order to make wine, it's fermented, isn't it? So I learned this from Bob Thiem, that that's why we shouldn't have real wine at communion. It should be unleavened, and they didn't have real wine. He said they had new wine, unleavened wine at Passover, because it says, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And I've written wine with a question mark. 
And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up out of Egypt. It shall be a sign to you on your hand as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. Uh, this unleavened bread, put away evil, that's what it means. Leaven is evil. But this is a sign that with a strong hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to. See, why didn't Dr. Larry say into the land of the Palestinians? He didn't. But somebody said, is your Bible inspired? He said, you mean above the line or below the line? <laughs> below the line, no. But above the line, yeah. And he shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your father and gives it you that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is, every firstling that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstling of a donkey, now that was an unclean animal, you shall redeem with a lamb. Now this is an interesting picture story here. The donkey represents the unsaved person, and every unsaved person has to be redeemed. So the firstborn donkey has to have a sacrifice for the unclean donkey. So it says, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem the donkey, then you have to kill the donkey, break its neck. And all the firstborn of men, that, that probably could be a whole sermon on that. <laughs> break its neck would mean that it dies and goes, for human, goes to hell. So anyway, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go. That's another term for hard-hearted. Uh, that's a good word. He was stubborn about letting us go. That the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animal. Therefore... I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I shall redeem. And just write in the margin, no child sacrifice. But the heathen, their firstborn, they sacrificed to Baal. They required the firstborn to be a, a human sacrifice. But we are as an unclean thing, the ass. But he bore our sins. Anyway, it shall be as a sign, all of this on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes for by strength of hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt Lord we thank you for this time in your word bless these things to our hearts in Jesus wonderful name Amen